And you say. Be still my love. Oh yeah. Open up your heart. Let the light shine in. Oh yeah. But don't you understand. I already have a plan. Oh yeah. I'm waiting for my real show to begin. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we talk about every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best show that is about to turn into the best show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We are at the end of season two. We've come a long way. We've gone through season one, which had some good things and some not as good things. And then... The area of longer slog in season two, which had some even, well, also more, maybe more good things, but also more episodes and some not as great things. But overall, I'd say we're doing pretty well. And now we're at the end of it. We're at the end of season two, episode 26, called The Jim Hadar. Yeah, I feel like we've been waiting so long to get to this point. I'm almost like, I'm, I'm nervous to even start going into it. Yeah, me too. I was like, uh, oh, shit. <laughs> should we... Should we talk about who everybody is? Oh, yeah. Oh, get a chiku there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, with... <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're just joining us, my name is Wade Bowen. Uh, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. We're talking about the Jim Hadar, which is episode 26 of season two. It originally aired on June 12th, 1994. The IMD description is pretty short, so I'm going to actually go down to the bottom of the IMDb page and read the storyline instead. Cisco wants to spend more quality time with Jake and encourages them to think of a science project. They decide to make a field trip to a planet in the Gamma Quadrant, which is in, it's in its early stages of development. Jake wants to bring Nog along. He needs a good grade to stay in school. When Quark hears Nog is coming, he wants to come along as well. Quark's convinced he can change Cisco's previous decision to forbid him using the station screens for advertising purposes. After some <laughs> initial research on the planet, with Jake and Nog still away, the two men have a meal. When an alien woman suddenly approaches them, she shoots Cisco with a telepathic weapon and claims she is on the run from the Jim Hadar, soldiers of the Dominion. She advises Cisco and Quark to run, but it's too late. The three are taken captive by them, and it's up to Jake and Nog to rescue them. Yeah. I know that was a little long, but it's that pretty one really th- got into the weeds. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> thorough. So I gotta tell you though, the the biggest problem with this entire episode, I'm just gonna get right into it, is it doesn't answer the central question: Did Nog get a good grade on a science project? Will he stay in school? <laughs> like okay. the the show had no answer for that. <laughs> Did he drop out? Yeah, it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real cliffhanger of this episode. If there's anyone, yeah, I'm sure we'll all agree on this, right? No, I just off the bat, just talking about the sort of the plot structure of it. I actually think, and this was written by Ira Stephen Bear, so this is a little bit of a James backpedal. I think that this you've, this episode was brilliantly written. Yeah, you've really had to backpedal a little bit recently. Uh, yeah, he's getting better. I think he's getting better. Uh, I mean, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a good pedigree. We're doing a podcast about the show where he was ostensibly the showrunner. Yeah, all the actors talk about Ira being so great yeah. about what he brought to the show. Yeah, and he is about to get a promotion. Like this is Michael Pillar's last episode as showrunner mm. for the show, and. He 
he gets that job. So not just the head of the writer's room, but the full show. Right. And he gives Peter Allen Fields the boot. Yeah, he did. Or else, perhaps, depending on your, he was 80 years old. He said, you know what? I'm going to retire. Fuck this. I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote gems for you and you didn't do anything. <laughs> right. I wrote gems go and right you turned it into Jim Hadar. No. Um, so. right. Fuck you guys. I'm going to go write for Xena, Warrior yes, Princess, <laughs> the really top-notch show. So this show is written as like the boringest Star Trek show forever. And it, it's sort of just like paint by numbers plot where, you know, they want to get away. They want to go to a planet. How many times have we went to a planet? Yeah. Uh, you got Quark and his goofy hijinks trying to convince Cisco. You got all this kind of character little mealy mouth bullshit. And even when they get into the, they find the Jim Hadar and the Vorta, they get in a little thing where they're, you know, they're trying to solve the little pump thing and get free. It is the most pedestrian Star Trek episode. And it's an enjoyable pedestrian Star yeah, Trek Yeah, no, it's episode. fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, but it's, it's classic. Like, oh, I like Star Trek. It, They're doing Star Trek shit. It's fun. It's lighthearted almost, you know. But it was it's, just yeah, this moment where it was just like, no, like the Jim and Dark had to like look at Cisco and say, no, this isn't that kind of episode. This is <laughs> yeah. this, like, and then like all it turns sh- real fast, man. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And then it ends I mean, with like the, it's the Odyssey, but it essentially ends with what, the Enterprise but yeah. blowing up yeah, and yeah. like, yes. like everything's Fucked. It gets real fast. And it turns out Mike Pence is the uh, captain of the Odyssey, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, I was actually, I have a little bit of a nerd history on it. Oh, um, yeah. Captain Yeah, well, Koig. we'll wait till we get to the Odyssey. Let's go through it. Let's save our load. Let's not blow it all at once. <laughs> I don't think it's that cool. <laughs> okay. I think it's awesome. You told me what it was. All right, we're saving it. <laughs> We're saving it because Wade believes in it. All right. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even want to use it on the show. No. Yeah, I believe yeah. in you, James. Okay. Believe you believe in, in my tidbits. In this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I've oversold it. it. I believe in this most amazing of facts. But, but I'll keep it. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. No. So what do you, I mean, what do you guys think of it overall? That store, like introducing the Dominion this way. I thought it was great as a way to do that. Yeah. It's like, it just really, I mean, for just, it's being a lighthearted Star Trek episode. And then it just flips the script so fast, which takes you out of it. And, you know, it's it's quintessential Star Trek. Oh, it, let's find out what the spin, you know, of Star Trek as space Twilight Zone. We have to have a little M. Night Shyamalan kind of twist at the end or whatever. Yeah. Whereas another show would, you know, I kind of want to save some of the stuff. I'd rather just go through it beat by beat and then just talk about the whole thing. Okay, we can do that. But I just thought, like, like overarchingly, it had such an interesting structure, something like a bird's eye view. But yeah, okay, you can do it. Yeah, no, I'm, and yeah, it totally did. Because I just wanted that uh, cold open where Cisco's talking about going on a field trip with Jake. Mm-hmm. And then, because, well, first he's asking about a science project and he's like, Ketterpods, you're just going to, Ketterpods, uh, are they plants or the caterpillars? I don't know. Who cares? But and then Cisco's just like, so you're just gonna you're just gonna watch him. You're not gonna do anything. He's like, yeah, that's all I'm gonna do. It's like you don't want to do anything. He's like, is my is my kid stupid? (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's a general. I think that's the general. I think that the show is you know he's he's very he's anti Wesley. Yeah, yeah. I'll put it that way. He's not. Precocious. He is not. He's not. Well, a, uh, he's this not a is what I like about him. He's like a real teenager. Yeah. Yes. This is what yeah. I've always liked about him. When he says that yeah. he's low tech at the beginning, that's his way of saying that he's not interested in all this, all your Federation bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to hang out with his friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- you know, the, the the cover story about his grade is probably just bullshit. He just wants to go somewhere cool with his friend. 
you know, he's a teenager. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. At first he's like, well, what you just want to watch? Like, yeah. It's like, man, my kid, you don't want to do something science and technical. It's like, nah. What, well, okay. What would you want to do? It's like, I'd want to fly a runabout. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, he's into cars or something. You know, like, uh, well, that's not anything. It's like, well, what else did you want to do? I don't know. Go to the Gamma Quadrant. Okay, we'll go. And it's like, okay. <laughs> but he's, yeah, Cisco's kind of like worried that he's got a dumbass kid. It was amusing to me. Mm-hmm. And really like the, the, the sort of the desire to get away. I, I like, I don't know. I, I get all of that, that. Yeah, the independence. You have this teenage kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but not only, but like. Cisco, he's so excited about hanging out with his son. And that's like up until this point, and this episode does a really good job of sort of grading Cisco up yeah. to the level where he is obviously. Spoiler alert, season three, Cisco, like I think I asked last episode, is O'Brien the main character of the show in the writer's eyes? <laughs> yeah, that right. definitely changes in this episode. Yeah, right. This is now. I think we could have said that for the meat of season two. It seemed like everything was dealing with, with O'Brien. And I got mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, yeah. the most of season too it felt felt like that we were dealing with o'brien almost exclusively yeah that must have been rough for you hugh it I know, was. we all know how much you hate him <laughs> well it was it was way it, it does feel even to me it felt like wasted time it was a lot they of, get to cisco yeah yeah get to cisco and this is where cisco get, get to your lead yeah yeah where they ramp him up in this episode and i and definitely in season three right right he becomes cisco yeah you've got some great cisco and quark scenes in here mm-hmm. and it's like a real sort of calcification of like who Cisco is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he's not he's different than like like the scene when they first get to the planet with Quark, I felt like that was like a scene where you really got to see who Cisco was. Right. But before we get to the planet, <laughs> we have to, I, well, sorry, sorry to keep going back. Cause you know, we've been running long with these last few, but mm-hmm. we get some, some magnificent Avery Brooks, Avery Brooking. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I, well, like, okay. Like, uh, but He's I was like, going to, when Quark comes along and Nog, mm-hmm. like, Oh, his, I love that. I yeah. Love, well, I was going to make a whole over, sort of overarching, thing about like his acting in this episode okay is that like he has this but like the scene with quark later and all of the scenes with quark where he is we've always said that he's like this emotional sort of all over the place kind of character but i think this was the first time where they they put it in where he is kind of just like jejun he's kind of like just kind of fun and blithe and he's not worried or on guard about anything and i think that's definitely in contrast to card who seemed extremely on guard yeah yeah always all the time that each encounter could be you know sort of it could go bad and that he has to like be serious about it where i feel like cisco has the confidence to know that nothing even if he'll know when it goes bad and he can flip that switch on yeah yeah but until then he's kind of he's not worried about quark he knows why quark is there he knows why quark weaseled his way into this shit and all of those things but it doesn't bother him because he knows that Quark won't win, you know? And right. and so he doesn't have to be dickish to Quark, even though he kind of, I think. Yeah. And then well, even later on, he realizes this, this gets into the whole kind of Federation. Well, first we get the 102nd rule of oh, uh, yeah. when they go down to the planet and Quark's a sad little whiny like real sad sack about everything down there. Cause they're in the Devonian period or whatever. And it's just plants and insects. And then, then we get the 102nd rule of acquisition from Quark, which is nature decays, but latinum lasts forever. <laughs> rule 102, where Cisco's like, well, you just would like to strip mine this whole planet, wouldn't you? Like, 
yeah, because I hate, I'm allergic to nature. Yeah. Then he, he tries to resell on his whole scheme to sell things on the station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what would you sell? This is a whole other thing. Collectibles. And then we get nerd check references like Andorian jewelry, he would sell <laughs> Vulcan Eidic pins, which is like, whoa, I didn't know infinite diversity and infinite combination was a Vulcan concept. Yeah, they because- had, well, it was Vulcan, and apparently they have flair, like like pins. I don't know, did they, is it like <laughs> right. something that they, like, I like Ike, they like infinite diversity pins. <laughs> yeah, like- yeah. And then Bolian Crystal Steel, which I don't know. Have we met any Bolians or just just like when you have a freighter, you have a Bolian freighter? Right. I think I think they're like an off camera alien at this point. Yeah. What are the the blue face people? Are those Bolians? I'm, I'm looking them up. Andorian. I'm looking them up right no, now. No, because Andorians have no, antenna. Oh, the green. You're talking about you're talking about the barber. You're talking about the barber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bolians, not the not the barber. The blue walnuts are are bo- bo- Bolians. Okay. Oh, okay. I wonder if they're related to Andorians. <laughs> they they don't have. They're just like with their tails clipped and they don't have antenna. Yeah. <laughs> and they're bald. Yeah, they're all bald. So yeah, they all have the yeah. They have alopecia. They're Andorians with alopecia. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. Yeah, no. Um, core cakes, bugs, and then. Like, I thought you ate bugs, but no, only Ferengi bugs. He hates jambalaya. Yeah. But Nog likes jambalaya. Yeah, or if he's, or is he just trying to ingratiate himself? You know, but everybody, but all of their, all of their hatred for their experience doesn't match Cisco's apparent racism for the entire Ferengi race, which apparently <laughs> never really manifests itself. But he gets like an like Quark really reads him the riot act, like takes him to task over. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought that was a little weak. And I thought that that was smacking of misdirection. Like, I think that that, do you think that Iris even he was trying to misdirect us towards the impending doom? That the episode unfolds, right? No, I thought. I don't know, so, but did you see the look on his face when he brought up slavery? I mean, like that made me uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't know. I thought, I thought his whole thing, Quark's whole thing. That's part of one of the themes of the episode that I was talking about before. It sets up where, yes, you're racist against Ferengi. You Federation types are all alike. And then it sets up maybe Iris Stevens Bears kind of thing about like, yeah, we're you don't like us because we remind you of your past, which is kind of how they're set up anyways. Yeah. You know, like tolerance and under- understanding, but only practice it towards those. Tolerance and understanding. Because this is a kind of critique of Star Trek in general and the Federation. Oh, you, you Federation types preach tolerance and understanding, but you only practice it at people who remind you of yourselves. And then actually, and then later on, he goes back and says, like, well, we remind, uh, well it's that reminds you of yourself currently. Yeah. And yeah, the, the yeah. problem with why they treat Philangry so shitty is because it reminds them of who they were, like, let's say in the 21st century. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know what? The, I mean, the whole spiel, humans used to be like the Ferengi, but you don't like us because we're a constant reminder of your past you'd like to forget. But a lot worse. We never had slavery. And it gets really over the top, you know, slavery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even notice slavery. Avery Brooks had a. Yeah, no, he specifically that. has a. Yeah. And they actually had yeah. to cut that back from the original script. This was like a thesis that, oh, really? yeah. that I received yeah. a bear really wanted to get out. He even talks about like that. It was written more in the, the script. Slavery, Slaver. concentration caps and interstellar war. Which to me wars. is like, well, is he talking about the Klingon wars or were we waging wars out of like the Romulan war? Or is that a retcon in itself where before are they talking about pre before Federation when were we waging interstellar wars? Does this does Enterprise retcon this statement was my question. It's like, 
where we were assholes blowing up the galaxy for a little while. I think the Romulan Wars might be what he's talking about. The Romulan War. Yeah, but it's all kind of, that's all about misunderstandings. The way he's selling it is like, humans were dicks to the entire galaxy for a little while. That's how it sounds like. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's what it's like, who is the Federation? Like, yeah. it seems to me that the Federation is just as much Vulcans who had interstellar wars and Andorians who were inter- who were just sort of like Klingon lights, you know? So, like, they're obviously... Yeah. They're, they're just... They're just shitty neighbors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I don't just, know anything not, about Andorians, honestly. Oh, I, I just take my word for it. They're just they're next door to the Vulcans, and they're kind of shitty neighbors yeah, to each other. Yeah, yeah. They're not really warlike. Is that? Yeah, they're they're hot headed. I don't remember Andorians very much from the original series. I remember seeing them once or twice. But I feel like they really get fleshed out in Enterprise, which I haven't seen. Yes, they do. Gloriously. The best thing to watch in Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a whole other thing we got, right? <laughs> yeah, we do. But nonetheless, so... You know, you don't like it, but we're better... If you'll excuse me, I have a lock to pick. I love that whole scene. <laughs> no, it's a great scene. And then later on, Quark's whole admonishment of Cisco is proven wrong, where... Cisco kind of reveals that he appreciates Quark and knows exactly what he can contribute yeah. when you get into this whole infinite diversity thing. Because, yeah, because key, I mean, yeah, he's Quark is key to the reveal at the end, mm-hmm. which is the only thing early on that's paid off, which is why I joked about like the Jake MacGuffin to get them out there to get, you know, that they're surveying a planet is just because it, it does seem like once who the Jemadar are, is raised very clearly that everything is sort of dropped. But you're right. The one thing that sort of makes it through is that Quark helps discover sort of a, a, a yeah. conceit. And, and even before even before his big discovery at the end, when they're in the uh, circle in the cave jail with the spatial barrier around him, uh-huh. the Jim Hadar woman, the Vo- I mean, the Vorta woman is like, why do you keep letting him yell like that? And, and Cisco is like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. Oh. No, he's good for something. Ferengis are whiny, yelly little people that are scared all the time. But even that diversity has something to contribute because <laughs> I know that Quirk is really good at getting people's attention. Yeah. And you know what? He's doing exactly what I couldn't, what I'm not built to do, but he's built to do it and he's doing his job. Yeah. So he, he shows that he does appreciate what the Ferengi have to offer, sure. even though we don't appreciate them because they're cowards and Weak and, and they remind us of yeah, and they're avarice and greedy. Yeah, um, like okay, so let's go back to like unpack this though. Yeah. I just because I feel like that like who the Ferengi are are like a minor thesis on the show so far that we've dealt with, yeah. and I feel like this is like it's reaching like an apex where mm, yeah. like Iris Stephen Bear is reaching out through the scripts and saying Ferengis are not evil, you know, and I and I want to buy that, but one of the things that they do is to say that they didn't. They didn't have slavery. They didn't have all of these sort of contemptible sort of the drawbacks of the human spirit as written large over the course of Earth history. The bad things like genocides and wars and and, and territorial wars and slavery that somehow that the Ferengis were immune to this or that they didn't have that. And I feel like that I, I felt like that was Irish Stephen Bear giving Ferengis too much, making them salving over them too much. We're nothing like you. I, I I don't I don't know I, I I don't think I think if they were I think straight, that what compelled humans what compelled humans to have slaves and to make slaves would have compelled the Ferengis to do the same thing. Well, I see. I think the whole point is that we can't look at everything solely through a human lens. Like, Good point. Good if point. They just were exactly like 
like old humans, then that would be boring. I, you're right. There's something about Ferengis that is different than humans. We are so very similar, but something in humanity that we have that they don't have caused us to go out and do these <clears> horrible <throat> things. Now, they might have their own problems, which they obviously do, and the show kind of deals with as it goes on. But if you're going to have aliens, you can't make them exactly like us. There has, even if it's, it is maybe a hand washing that, like, oh, they're like us, except they're just better than us. But whatever. If they were just like us and they had the same problems, I would say then they're lame. They're bad aliens. Right. But the pro- the thing is, is that I guess the thesis of the show going forward is when the shit goes down, it's not the Ferengis alone who are equipped to deal with the problems at hand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's humanity. Right. And, uh, and, their, and their ability and all the nasty shit that they've waded through to get to this point in history is going to get them through the nasty shit ahead. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue that Star Trek doesn't argue a ultimately humanist point of view yeah. mm-hmm. that humanity right. can prevail. Well, they're all called humanoid. Human. Yeah. If they've got two and, legs, and, and, they're humanoid. But, but no, no, no. They're, they're, they do that for a reason, and that's because the show is for humans <laughs> to watch. <laughs> so right, exactly. I think that. But it also, part of one of the guiding principles of. Star Trek and in speaking to humans and they use aliens as metaphors to do that Mm -hmm. is that we have to embrace diversity of people that aren't like us to be stronger. That's fine. Which, and then you know, what? I, what seems to me that would be interesting. And I don't want. I, you're right because I, I don't want to deal with like the Ferengis have slaves. That sounds like shit. But it seems like also like by making. Well, they kind of do. It's called Ferengi women. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so they do it in some levels, but the slavery element. Yeah, that would have been if Cisco had thought about it on the way home. That he was like, that should have been my comeback. The way you treat your women. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I know exactly what <laughs> yeah. I should have said to them. Oh man, I'm gonna save that. Yeah, one. yeah. I'm gonna next time we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get us in this argument again and I'm gonna be waiting for that point. But yeah, no, I agree. The women is the thing. It's that how do you but dealing with people whose cultures actively offend you, not like did some stuff in the past. I think that that is the hard work and and the women thing, for instance, their horrible misogyny. That would be a, a stumbling block in that watching Cisco or Federation humans deal, get over that and find some sort of common ground and peace is where the Eidic blooms is that I I can't just lash out with everyone. Right. Well, and that's kind of what the Prime Directive is about, too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it's hopefully I think DS9 as a series goes on to hopefully through through interaction you can embrace that diversity and then they can embrace yours and maybe you get to betterment yeah. across and that's everything. the part I'm not quibbling with the element of the story. It's just one thing that I like I felt like that in order to push the ball over the, the end zone line of Ferenkis are not villains anymore. I felt like Iris Steven Bear pushed maybe a little too he whitewashed them a little too much. Yeah. At this final moment. But they go back and, and make them shitty later, you know? So they, they yeah. yeah. But I, that's. I really like all the Ferengi stuff in this I know. episode. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, I like this. I love this episode. This is shit. This was, this was a near, this is doing exactly what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. This is starts the show that I want to talk about. This is, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was almost a perfect way to do it. Yeah. It was a perfect way to introduce yeah, totally. them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that I noticed it as perfect before. Well, see, I think that's a good point. I didn't really the, the when I was watching it, I'm like, this is fine. This is good. Yeah. But once we're now that we're taking apart and looking at all the moving pieces, it's more of a wonder to me how deftly 
it was handled. Uh-huh. The transition from Alien of the Week schlock to serialized drama. Yeah. And using that, it wasn't just like it didn't start as like, like I felt like in some ways Duet just started as a good episode. Like this is a, this is a very special episode. Yeah. This one didn't. This one was like, no, we're, we're good. To, you know, it was almost like this is an end of the good times Deep Space Nine. Of all of the pro, I mean, it started with Jake holding a marital, a marital <laughs> aid to a pot, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's like we knew that we, we might have been into for some weird stuff. It st- the episode started with Jake. Yeah, he, he looks like he was waving Holding up. a marital aid and poking it at a potted plant. So, <laughs> we knew we were in for but, something. Yeah. Yeah, and like the little. Yeah, and then like, Cisco just wants to spend time alone with him. If I were being a, an asshole. I could say that I was getting creepy vibes over from Cisco. Oh no, 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 no! That, that's exactly how fathers. And, that's <laughs> but, how exactly how like fathers some, and sons. Some should assholes act. on the internet could make that case and have, and they're wrong. But some assholes can make that. He just wants to spend alone time with them. It's like, what's he doing? It's like, which is totally wrong. You're an asshole for thinking that. But I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, that's. No, that seems like a very real father-son moment to me. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of my relationship with my son would freak you out if you knew it. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a son. <laughs> um, I, was, I didn't think about that at all. It All of a sudden, this took a weird and fucking dark turn that I don't want to think about. Wade? No. I don't know. I'm just, no, I don't know what the all, fuck you're it's talking all, about. The, the point is that you guys are better in touch with your emotions and can be affectionate I towards think that, your children. I think that if you ever had a son, you, you would give him a firm handshake on his first day of preschool <laughs> and a firm handshake on his high school graduation. And those would be the only two times you would touch him. Is that what I understand? <laughs> <laughs> I would understand that. No, I mean, if I had a son, I might be different. But but. Oh, I get that. No, right. <laughs> I have a nine-year-old son. About three days a week, I sleep in the same bed with him. Like, hold it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. That's that's. I mean, I'm not totally unaffectionate with my father. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got your typical dad issues, I guess. But, but look, it is a fact that Jake Cisco slept in the same bed with Benjamin until yeah. uh, until he was 14 years old. Yeah. I, yeah. I promise you. Jake Sisko slept in the same bed as his father like five nights a week until he was 14 oh, yeah, yeah. years old. And oh, I will yeah. say, yeah, you know, <laughs> let's not psychoanalyze me, but <laughs> when I was a little kid, I was a lot, maybe there was more affection. I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, geez. That's I, I've, I've, met, I've met your dad, who's a very uh, Ben Gazzara, Jackie Treehorn like figure. <laughs> right. And I, I, I kind of, uh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We interact differently than you and your son and you and your yeah. father do. Which is fine. Yes. And, but, you know, there's love there. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're, not, not, we're it's a very waspy family. That's all right. families are different. All like, families are different. You know, <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. are uh, we in the episode? I feel like we just derailed it with unpacking Wade's childhood. We derailed it. We got it. We got it. Okay. We're talking about, obviously, when he was cuddled up next to him before the Jimadar. Basically, let's get the Jimadar into this. Yeah. He talks about Intonimish, Intonimish 3. They talk about uh, Jennifer Cisco for a little bit, which is nice. Yeah. Whenever they reference his past where they just don't totally hand wave and forget about his yeah, dead it's not. It's not the Brady and, Bunch where both of them have dead. Everybody's got dead parents, but like nobody fucking talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Jake's talking about, oh, that was when I was really happy or whatever. Like, no, you were. I don't know. It was it was a nice moment. Mm-hmm. And then Avorta r- runs up in here. Yeah, with it with the most with a nice fade. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haircut. When... Yes, they do have a very, uh, very eighties hair. Very particularly eighties hair. Yeah. And they they have very pronounced vagina like ears. So very weird vagina. But yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you've seen a vagina. I mean, I know you've seen a vagina, but I I've never seen one Are that looks like that. Are you required to put on a blindfold? <laughs> With all those ridges. Are you going- I feel like James's James's sexual experience are like a kid's haunted house experience where they got to put on a blindfold and then put their hand in cream corn and be told it's much brain. Okay, okay, clearly, okay, it's a vertical slit. It's clearly a long vertical slit. slit You're much. right, it doesn't look that much like a vagina, but I don't know what it much it does look like. It looks like it has whale baleens going down it, but for the most part, mm-hmm. you're right. It's not that... It, there's more <laughs> vagina-like looking prosthetics. If you took off that, on that character's pants and <laughs> yeah. she had the exact same ears in the in the pelvic region, <laughs> would it surprise you? I guess is what it, it would it it wouldn't surprise you. I guess right. not. I don't know. It's an alien. <laughs> A third ear, if it were. No, I I think that I think they are are slightly vagina-like. Right. Uh, I will say that the the uh, the Jimadar was very purposely designed to look like a rhinoceros without the horn. Oh, really? Yeah. You got that in the show, the notes? Yes, yes. Really? Because I don't see that at all. Well, their nose is, you know, because they have this very particular sort of bull-like nose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a snout. But, yeah, like, they they worked very hard on that. Well, I think we can all agree on the best part of this episode, now that we're talking about the Jim Hadar, is their preoccupation with the Klingons. What's that weapon they're so fond of, the... Yes. Oh my God! And that pays off. Oh yeah. Gloriously later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The the Vorta runs up and shoots a key blast or a ball of uh, psychic energy, uh-huh. which is interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's a thing that Vort. That's definitely a thing Vorta do, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. The Vorta never do that ever, ever, ever again. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Uh, maybe only the females yeah. can do it. What? Who knows? Uh-huh. What? Oh, you, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, maybe, uh, you, you might be on. I think they fix it in Crisis on Infinite uh, Star Treks. So uh, maybe it's just all a lie. Maybe there's a some technology that actually that. with the Kelvin universe they could have a Crisis on Infinite Star Trek. <laughs> but I, I know, yeah. After right. they get taken prisoner, they meet the Jim Hadar. Yeah. Uh, and the Jim Hadar actually know quite a bit about the Alpha Quadrant. They've got a lot of intel. Mm-hmm. And one of mm-hmm. the things that they're yeah, just yeah. dying, they know about the Ferengi, they know about humans, they're disappointed that that's their first interaction. Yes. What they want to, what they met, they want to meet the most are Klingons. <laughs> yeah, us too. And he just keeps on picking Cisco's brain about the Klingons. And Cisco's like, I'm not going to cooperate and tell you anything. Like he wasn't going to indulge <laughs> him at all, much to the Jim Hadar chagrin. Yeah, and there is this sort of, introduction of this i mean there's a it's sort of like a creepy feeling to like realize that you you know each one that that like they know way more than we know oh yes oh yeah yeah i thought that was great and that and and that that but you got to see sort of cisco sort of see that and and yeah like that was a really great i I love that that how much the realization yeah third to lack to land is the Jim Hadar, the third Talak Talan, is the Jim Hadar who's really in the Klingons. Oh, yeah. What is this thing called, the weapon they have, the Batleth? I want to see one of those. I'm wondering if he's the same... I'm trying to think of the episode much later on that involves 
uh, Klingon Flight Club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is he the same Jim Hadar? I, yeah, put a pin in that because I would be. It yeah. might just be yeah. a cultural thing where they all are just completely fascinated with oh um, i think i think that's what it is yeah yeah it makes sense but it would be great if they brought that guy back or maybe a fourth or fifth to line. but you get the impression that you're meeting somebody higher up on the food chain it's like a wolf caught a squirrel and and like a badger and it wants to meet you know a, a more formidable opponent and you get the impression like cisco and the ferengi or get the impression that they if they're wanting to mess with klingons they're higher up on the evolutionary scale physically mm. you know yeah yeah well then later on they the jim hadar beams to the ops just shortly after we meet them actually in, in a later scene after they've been taken hostage mm-hmm. and they have no problem oh, right, beaming right. on and they can walk right through the force field and then they can beam off they put a a level three security field. And it's a joke. It's almost like a joke to mm-hmm. them. And everybody's just gobsmacked about it. Yes. They're just shitting their pants. Yeah. And that they're not even like, you know, it's not like they're immediately under attack. It's not like that. It's just like, no, you, by the way, we have your captain and you are fucked. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. 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 Like this whole episode turns real fast from a lighthearted Star Trek episode to like shit just got real. Yeah. You've been fucking around, like getting Tullaberry wine in the Dominion, yeah. talking to dumb face painted aliens, and this shit ain't gonna fly anymore. You can't come here. <laughs> we are going to fuck you up. Yeah, this show is <laughs> about like, to, is about to fuck to fuck this shit in the ass. Yeah. yeah like yeah, you got two seasons of dumb Star Trek shit. Shit's about to get yeah, real. Yeah, every I mean, this is the like the start and this literally doesn't end to like the last episode. So this is like this is the show. So it's it, in a lot of ways this is welcome to Deep Space Nine. And it's it's really exciting, and it's also sort of inspiring to know how much they had written out, like you know, with the Vorta and, the, and all of that stuff, and the and the founders, which they talk about in this episode. But one thing they didn't have was the element of that they didn't have the final piece they didn't have there together was once the Jimadar is on ops in that scene and looks around at the entire cast of Deep Space Nine, who he didn't recognize or notice. That was not they did not know that part yet. They didn't know the importance of yeah, oh, of the yeah. founders well, and who I that, think that's they had not Well done the thing that is yet. I don't there's an explanation for that 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 I don't want to yeah, go we can into. Do it, we can do it in a different episode. Because we don't yeah. know who the founders are yet. Mm-hmm. But put a pin in that too, and maybe I'll listen to this episode and remember when we talk about the founders. Mm-hmm. Comes up not that far, but I think there's a reason he doesn't. But anyways, yeah, because there's an explanation for it. I that I think I think sells, but we'll see. But part of me thinks that it's only a continuity error after what they established later, which is kind of dumb. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Oh, probably. So, okay, so basically sort of... Oh, yeah, so there's a Vorta. They're trapped in a, a spatial distortion field or force field with a Vorta on this planet, a Vorta named Eris, mm-hmm. a lady Vorta. She gives them a whole backstory about Kirill Prime, where she's from, where she was a fun-loving Vorta, just a native-evolved person on this planet, and then the Dominion came through and she tried to run away, and that's where she is, which... Shit, I guess I'll put a pin in that too. <laughs> well, at some point we got to we can talk about the Vorta, right? So the girl is a Vorta. They say yeah. At the end, they get her back. Jake and Nog were smart enough to get back to the runabout, and that's about it. That's about all they can do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, well, that's about it. But that was enough that Starfleet then got their shit in order and sent the Odyssey. Well, the Odyssey was there already, so they send like an order to go and sort of take Cisco back. 
Yeah, but <laughs> well, there's a reason why the Enterprise wasn't sent story wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why I wrote this down. There's a part where they they have to take out because because Jake can't figure out the dumb color coded cues that O'Brien told them, and then they they about blow up the warp core. Uh. Then they try to go to warp eight, which I don't think runabouts can go to. They only go to warp four. Well, eight. shit, Jake doesn't know that. Yeah, third corner. Too busy sticking <laughs> a dildo on soil. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know anything about runabouts. Yeah, yeah fair enough. But the computer on the, the ship just doesn't correct them. It just says, I can't do that. The implication is that you could if you weren't such a, if you were doing shit right. I don't know. But then they're just like, put it back, put it back. And it just reminded me of seventh grade when Timmy Callahan poked out the eyeball of the guinea pig that we had for the class. Oh, <laughs> snap. It's like, put it back, put it back. <laughs> but, oh, I used his full name. I know what you did, Timmy Callahan. It was sick, so we were trying to get the mucus out of its eyes. <laughs> And then he was trying to pull it, and then its eye popped out. Apparently, like, you're low tech as well. Like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, Apparently, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. You, put it, put it back. Vet school was out after that. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that guinea pig was dead the next day. Oh my god! But we didn't tell anybody. We told everybody it drowned because it was wet underneath the. Anyways, I know what you did, Timmy Callahan, and I never told anybody except I tell people the story. <laughs> I doubt he listens to this podcast. He was just kind of an asshole. Probably. probably. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> neither here nor there. Sorry. Then they go. Yeah, you get a real. You get a shot of Deep Space Nine where it's like, oh shit, the Enterprise is docked at Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's not the Enterprise. No. It's Captain Mike Pence of the Enterprise. No, there is a story. Okay, so five minutes from now, the data ship explodes. And I said that earlier in the podcast. (laughs) But okay, so one of the big sort of controversies if we were in Star Trek nerds of the time is that they put that sequence, that shot of the ship exploding in the next on commercial for the next episode uh, and star trek fans lost their shit because it was after it started it was before generation started it was after all good things so it was like there was no enterprise there was no picard there was no none of that they didn't know what was gonna happen oh my god and it looks like it looks like deep space nine just fucking killed them to get them out of the way and the internet boards <laughs> you can only imagine twitter and everybody like what that would have done if something like that had happened now <laughs> like how how the captain america the hydrate or you could wait till the next episode issue which explains what the fuck happened <laughs> yeah but like yeah so it so damn so the people lost their shit over that shot in the trailer, and then they were they were very relieved that it was the Odyssey. Yeah, and they they kind of float out at early on in the episode that Captain Keog of the Odyssey is going to come, but I didn't know it was a Galaxy Clash starship. Yeah, all we know is that I thought Dax was flirting with a the guy. They don't like or had a thing. Yeah, they they had some sort of strange backstory that didn't go anywhere because because uh, it yeah. explodes. And then he gets there, and then we like oh. It's an old white guy because apparently that's all that captains are at this point in Star exactly. Trek. Exactly. <laughs> He's a John Luke Picard with his hair. He's Mike Pence. He had a, he had a black. Oh, the actor who plays his first, uh, his number one is uh, actor Michael Jace, who uh, was in uh, Boogie Nights and also was uh, noted for being in The Shield, but most noted for in June got sentenced to life in prison for killing his wife just this year. Oh, shit. So he was the, if you, like, that made a lot of news. But yeah, he's in this episode. So oh. sorry to take everybody down there. But yeah, yeah. I, I almost made a very off color joke. <laughs> and I was like, no, that, that's real life. I'm not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He actually killed his wife and he actually went to jail 
for it. Yeah, no, so he's spending cool. life in jail right now. But on the show, he exploded, so they don't have to explain it away. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Seriously, he was really great in the Shield, though. It's un- unfortunate. I mean, it's yeah. it's unfortunate that he killed his fucking wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate that he's an awful yes, it's, garbage person. Exactly, that he's a garbage person. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mike Pence, Captain Mike Pence. He he is the voice of Skeletor in the old cartoons. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. So we have the act. We got another Skeletor. We have the actor who played Skeletor. That was yes, the that big, was what you wanted me to say. <laughs> it's the big amazing information I had yes. to withhold at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> another Skeletor connection. We have all of the Skeletors in this season so far. So that's that's good to know. Yeah. I would hate if we got through. We started. Hey. We started this season with one Skeletor, <laughs> and we ended it with <laughs> yes. another. Nice Skeletor book. <laughs> so uh, there's not much else he's done, though. Yeah. But he fucking dies. But the reason that Ira Stephen Bear and Michael Hewitt Wolf, who didn't take a writing credit. Robert Hewitt Wolf. Robert Hewitt Wolf, who didn't take a writing credit on this, but is all over the talking about it. The reason they made it a Galaxy-class starship was because they wanted you to know that Picard, if he was there... Would have got his ass blown up. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> that's actually what they they stated. That was the reason. So yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right, all right, next gen <laughs> I, fans. If we know what you, you know what? Hey, you know what? I, I was on a panel of Star Trek fans who argued the best captain, and you know what? And I was, I was Avery Brooks, Captain Cisco, all the way. And yeah, I wish I could point this out that <laughs> you know what? If Picard made it to Deep Space Nine, guy would have blown up at the end of. Season two. Yes. And it, I believe in general, do they show the new Enterprise E in Generations or is it first first contact? You, first contact is the first sh- um, Enterprise E. Yeah, because they crash it at the end of Generations. Yeah, the, but the first time you see the yeah, e- they like you get no anything at the end of Generations. Yeah, they explain that the reason that it looks so different that it's been designed so differently is because of the Dominion. So oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so they say that in the movie that 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 they had to basically oh, yeah. redesign all of the starships to they redesigned it so that they could have a new thing for the movies. Yeah, I mean that's a good in story reason yeah. to do it, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice because, you know, when those movies were going on, you know, they have to make token references to the Dominion War. And yeah, shit like well, because they have to explain Worf getting there every episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. you see, in the first contact, you actually see the, the Defiant, uh, which is coming oh, right, up which right. is coming up soon. Yeah, hey, hey, oh, 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 <laughs> and, uh, and the first mate on the Defiant is, <laughs> Real soon. is Adam Scott. <laughs> He's the That's right. co-pilot yep. of, yeah, so, love, lovely. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> back to this episode. Yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah. So, because, yeah, then Captain Keo gets there and they're like and the Jim Hadar teleports from the station and everybody's like holy shit we got to mobilize. We're going into the Gamma Quadrant to get our, not ca- commander back, because captains are all, all <laughs> white men at this point. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, what do we got? He was three-fifths of captain. Yikes. <laughs> Easy. Well, yeah. that's a dark Easy. Easy. The views expressed uh, by James <laughs> are not. I'm talking about their racism, not mine. Yeah, we're not saying it's right. We're saying it's fucked up. Yeah. We're just, <laughs> we're calling out shit. We're calling people out where we see it. Yes. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, you can take that then out. Then Odo has a whole thing because then they're like, "Oh, we Ryan retro is like is already retrofitting the runabouts with more photon torpedoes." Dax gets a like "fuck you" line to Captain Kyog, like, "Hey, um, which Avery Brooks would probably deliver if he were on the station." It's like, "Uh, you're gonna get non-essential personnel off your ship before you go out and get blowed up, right?" Because <laughs> you know I'm good friends with Benjamin Sisko, and he's still smarting over his dead wife, so maybe you don't want to be another Picard <laughs> responsible for. 
for a dead widow. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. And then Odo gives some like shrift to like his uh, him and Kira's like, uh, I, I have to go on the re- the mission to the Gamma Quadrant because I can't leave Quark. She's like, wait, you hate Quark? He's like, yeah, I hate him, but but he really loves him. Mm-hmm. And I can't leave him with the Dominion. That would be wrong. Yeah. But I don't like him. You don't like him either, do you? It's like, well. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and then earlier on, even Quark says to somebody like, no, Odo doesn't, or Captain Sisko doesn't hate me. Kira hates me. Mm-hmm. Which is. Yeah, no, I sort of, let's get to the end of this because I don't want to talk about the Vorta. Yeah. I think that's a bit. They go off. They get blowed up. They get the captain back. And then he gives some ominous lines about we the battle will be fought here at Deep Space Nine if they come through. Yeah. Yeah. And it well that they, they yeah, that the Vorta Quark has noticed some elements that the, the the collar that he had to pick her out of wasn't in any sort of way a stabilizing collar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because he wanted yeah. to uh, imitate it and resell it. So that, that was his greed yeah, yeah. bringing him towards a clue that tipped Benjamin to the idea that the Vorta was a, a plan. She was she was a ringer, man. She was a plan. Yeah, she's a plan. And so yeah. and that was the plan. Well, even, I think even even Quark figured it out. He's like, Captain Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. here, I gotta talk to you. Because Quark's not dumb either. They're both pretty smart guys. Yeah, so they both catch her and realize that she's a plant and they're about to arrest her and she dematerializes. I mean, she she beams up away. Teleports. And they don't know where. They don't know where. They can't track it down. She'll be back. So, yeah, so, that, so now you have the Vorta as a member of the Dominion. And that is, uh, they are some of my favorite characters on the show. A little bit of a different sort of character than what, the way the Vorta are portrayed later. Yeah. Because the Vorta are like a, they're like the timeshare salesman of the Dominion, I guess. Or yeah, like they the, have, a, they, they fulfill a very specific role. They're the functionaries, the middlemen. Yeah, like. Yeah, which I don't want to sell too much, but. I mean, we're here. We're at the dawn of the Dominion. Here. Well, the short version, the short explanation would be everything that you were told about the Vorta in this episode is a fucking lie. Yeah, they. they don't believe, don't believe. <laughs> any of it because they have a whole different thing. They've, she was lying about being a prisoner. She's lying about everything else too because that backstory she gave, I don't know if it really holds up. Yeah. So, but the Jimadar, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. There's a little more to the Jimadar and um and the founders, which are at this point the show sort of had this idea that the founders aren't actually real, but maybe are just like a religion to the Jimadar and I guess the Vorta. Right. But that they sort of give lip service to that, but you know, whatever. The founders are real. And <laughs> so yeah. uh I don't think they keep that a secret forever any I don't think that's treated as a as a secret much longer. No. No, I, so was that that was something in that you saw in your research about this? Like no, they, no, no. But they just say that because they had the vort to say the founders aren't even real. You guys, yeah, yeah. to make it like it's more like religion as opposed to they're actually following legitimate orders, right? Given away to people because yeah. Yeah, because so, the Jim Hadar does say we're following orders from the founders, mm-hmm. and then the Vort Eris says they're not even real, and then he says, well, "Are you going to question us?" Like, no, it's not for us to question you. I think the Jim Hadar third Talik Talon or whatever tells Cisco and like, "Oh, then who's who is going to question you?" Oh, it must have been the Vorta in the cell. Mm-hmm. She's the one asking questions that they're yeah. yeah. But then so that was there. Also, that the it seemed to be that with the the Vorta's shittiness towards Quark, you know, because I know what the Vorta are, so I watch. I, at no point did the reveal shock me, you know, obviously. Right. Um, so, like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, why is she goading him? But they seem to know so much about their interpersonal relationships already that this little bit of, like, she seemed like she was putting Cisco in these situations so that she could learn about Benjamin Cisco if he killed Quark or not. 
or let Quark go okay, or not. Yeah, she was. But it seemed like that they had already done that research already. So maybe. But I mean, it was interesting. I guess there's still, you know, there there's still some elements that they need to shore up some intelligence on. Yeah. So I guess that's what they were doing. But right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, they know all about all the races. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, they wanted to get the captain of the nearest outpost to figure out what makes him tick. Yeah. So once they had him out there, they're like, all right. Let's stage this whole situation to figure out Benjamin Cisco. So there they are on the in ops, everybody. Because even because O'Brien, when they blow, I mean, when they blow up the Odyssey, it's it's pretty heavy. Like yeah, that's a like, big. You know, it's a lighthearted Star Trek episode, and they're like, holy shit, they just blew up the Not Enterprise. Yes, <laughs> they blew up the Not Enterprise. Yeah, you know, and it's like we were retreating. What is? Yeah, that's what O'Brien says. It's like you know, it's some heavy shit. And it was some heavy shit. So there's this sort of idea that like, holy shit. There is this overly capable, overly informed menace that's on its that's going to come out of this giant blue asshole and destroy the us. The anomaly they call that it. can't be reasoned with either. I mean, they don't care. They can't be reasoned. With. Oh no no no! Yeah yeah. There's they no can. negotiate. Yeah. You can't. No diplomatic means. He made it very clear that they're not like what they are to do is to stay away from the Gamma Quadrant altogether. Yeah. So it's yeah. You can't come through the wormhole. Uh-huh. You you can't send. There's no negotiating. Uh, they know all about you. There's no element of surprise. They can't be surprised. Their technology is beyond you, really. That's the spookiest thing Mm -hmm. because it takes place in the future. We're so used to basically everybody in the start, all of our protagonists through the span of all the series, their superpower is basically their technology. When you have Mm -hmm. uh, an antagonist that has better technology, like so much so that it boggles your mind, you don't understand how they're doing it. It's it there it casts a menacing like feeling that you haven't had in Star Trek before. Actually we've had it once before. It was an original series when they had the cloaking technology. Yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. balance of terror. Right. Cloaking technology mm-hmm. was like terrifying. This is like there's a few different technologies that are terrible. Well, they have personal cloaking technologies. Yeah. They can go through force fields. <laughs> yes. They yeah. can get on your ship undetected. And apparently they can just beam people off of your station and you have no idea where they beam them to or how far away they are. Yeah. Mm. I guess the Borg kind of had some of those similar things. I was actually going to... This seems to me very similar to the first Borg episode, which I believe is called Q... Q who or something. It's a Q yeah, episode. Yeah, it's Q. It's a Q episode. Right. It's, but it's the a, feeling with the Borg Q. was is that they were a technical problem. Yeah. That if you just put some elbow grease into yeah. it, they were a problem that could be figured out. They were a technological creature. If you just, you know, put your back into it and you spent enough time... Because they they killed him with a virus. Right. Yeah, they killed him with like there was that. A, yeah, this yeah. is Program, a her. political situation that you have. You're out of your depth with the Federation is out because mm-hmm. basically what we're going to meet is the anti-Federation. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's something is like the Borg was a philosophical mm-hmm. answer to the Federation of the assimilate, which is you know is the anti-diversity, the yeah. anti-prime directive, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas the Dominion is just like, oh no, we don't, we're not anti, we're just bigger and as strong as you and can take you out. They're basically organized crime. Like if organized crime <laughs> were the size of the Federation and had the resources of the Federation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because they're hitting these countries up. Like organized crime hits up small businesses. You pay for protection from the Dominion, they'll leave you alone, you know. And that seems to be how it works. I mean, the, yeah, you the, do find out in seasons later that the that the founders have a philosophy and that that philosophy is is. is 
it's it's interesting. It's it's worth talking about. Sure. But yeah, from right now, they don't. I mean, that's that's miles away from the viewers. It's, I yeah, mean, that's everything. It's the Dominion. Yeah. It's able to dominate you. That's yeah, what. That's it what does. it is. Yeah. So very 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 and, well. Chosen. And they can foreseeably dominate the Federation. How do you deal with that? But I think that it does. The episode mirrors when we were talking about early on about the structure of this episode. I think it does mirror that first. And I wish I knew the name. Oh, of it, I, the, the first, yeah, I'd agree with because that. it was like a dumb Q episode, and you're like you can imagine mm-hmm. me not I like John Delancey but I'm not a I don't I don't come to Star Trek for the cue in that episode I, you could see like rolling your eyes and then like okay and you sit and watch it and then like halfway through you're like what the fuck is going on because they got this giant like cube ship and it's fucking cool looking and then like how dominant they were while being faceless for the most part yeah. in that episode and that but then like nothing really happened to him for a while you didn't see the Dominion or, or the Borg for a while, but like right, this is it was still episode of the week. You know, yeah, week. yeah. Like, it was just like you're introduced every... to it and leave it there, and then later on you you get the you get the good shit. But no, this was like fuck. Like this was just a, yeah. Like you are now in the we're in the shit. We're in the there's no yeah, there's yeah. no letting up. <laughs> yeah, were you in the? That's my favorite catchphrase. Yeah, were you in the shit? Well, I think that, that maybe that's that what it is. Shit. Is that's the start of the shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everybody now is in the shit. So well, and even you know Captain Mike. Pence even brings that up. Yep. Like, um, are you guys, are you sure you're all going to come? Because only Major Kieran and O'Brien have any combat experience. Combat experience, yeah. And Bashir, of course, he's the one that pipes up. Whoa, we fought the Marquis. You know? yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that Mike Pence's look at that was like pretty like the monkey, really <laughs> like fucking the monkey. Oh, <laughs> yes. You know, that's the whole thing is that the monkey were basically the monkey were Federation. And that doesn't mean that they're badasses. They had like stellar cartographers, you know, and probably in the monkey. Mar- yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> they, yeah. they have worse technology right. than the Federation does. Right. <laughs> yes. They know how to beam. They know how to transport someone from across the universe or from across the galaxy like two hey years. well the maquis can sneak a guy into sick bay and turn out the that's lights. true they got we batman power they got batman powers they don't <laughs> no, have i bet you they've got one powers. guy they got <laughs> one guy who can do that and he's probably spread pretty thin because right after he goes in that dark room the maquis got him scheduled to go into another dark room somewhere else <laughs> you got a dark room guy <laughs> He's got Batman powers. He's really great. <laughs> we got one Batman here in the Mikey, and we're leaning on him pretty hard. Yeah. What do you so, do? Uh, I hang out. I spent a lot of time on wall panels just waiting to pop out. <laughs> I've been in so many Jeffrey tubes, you would not <laughs> yeah. believe, motherfucker. Codename Jeffrey Tube, yeah. Okay, so. Nobody ever thinks to look for me there. What gives? I do that all Did time. we haven't even gotten into what we would change in this episode? Yeah, what would we change? Uh, I don't got I don't, much. I, I don't have much I either. Nothing. I don't got much In either. fact, I probably, my only thing I was going to was to tap the brakes on some of the the Ferengi stuff, but w- that was what I was going to come to come with. But you guys kind of came from a place explaining why the Ferengi stuff was so. Pro- I didn't realize Ivan uh, Iris Ivan Stephen uh, Iris Stephen Bear, w- you know his stink was all over this, and oh, yeah. and I didn't re- you know I wasn't cognizant of that fact when I was bristling against all the Ferengi stuff. I like the character stuff. I like Nog and Quarkus as characters the bringing in the cultural differences when that's not what the episode is about is a weird thing i think i would have tapped the brakes on it i wouldn't mind a few comments here and there about it but court gets awfully damn preachy and <laughs> and it's weird it, it, it is yeah. and i think that in my mind i think they were trying to sort of not tip their hand on what the episode's really about. i get it and, and, so yeah, that's why, they're trying that's to why like, what i would give change it, yeah. really wouldn't work 
because yeah. I, you know, I came here with one real beef about it, and it's really not that much of it's just a small little thing, really. I mean, they could have used they mm-hmm. could have used the exact same script, but just maybe softer pedal on the delivery. You know, make it like an aside or just like smart ass comments. But I mean, he really went hard into the paint on like mm-hmm. the preachiness. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, I like and and it also without spoiling anything, it I like that in the context of Nog's character arc where we go with him later. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this trip for Nog is a very formidable trip. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Yeah, this trip is... Yeah. I think him I think him liking Jambalaya is a big deal. I think that was the first sort of the taste of, uh, of different worlds. Yeah. And so that he's not as small-minded as the other Ferengi. He's definitely not. And I think that... And so I think that, that that's the taste of that Nog... You know, and it's a great inversion. That It could be a spoiler alert or not, but that Nog is way much more exceptional than Jake, like yeah, like, as true, a, yeah, as a character and as a as as a character in the show. I mean, maybe not a bigger one, but he's more Jake. Jake isn't a no, Jake know. is a fine human, but Nog is a better Star Trek character. Jake's that's what you're saying. Yes, yes, and uh, Nog, yeah. and Nog goes a lot more see, places. I, I almost see. I wasn't sure if Nog wasn't just kissing Cisco's ass. It's like, oh, and, you know, being the, uh, that's probably, I'm sure there's a rule of acquisition, like always kiss up to the boss. Like, oh no, I like this. Well, there's a, there's a really great, one of the best scenes of all, of the entire series is a very famous Nog Cisco scene. That's very touching. And we'll get to that here. I think probably in, in, in a couple seasons, right? Is it season four, season three that I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you might be onto something, Wade. I think that he looks up to Cisco and definitely like wants to get in good there. For the first time, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, what what would you change, Wade? Anything? Oh shit! I, I mean, if you didn't have anything to change, I mean, I think we're allowed not to have anything when things go right. I didn't have anything. I watched this episode pretty late today. I would, I would have. Uh, there's some later Dominion continuity errors. I would have. Yeah, I wouldn't have tried to tip my hand towards that, but you know, but that's so hindsight. That is such a like I know shit that right. the writers didn't know at the time. So I, uh, you know, you, yeah. you as a fan going back and wanting to see, be a completionist, you'd want to clean up some of that shit you know but fuck yeah it. i, I would almost this. rather retcon it and explain it better later yeah yeah i don't know yeah that's tough that's a tough vorta vortas don't have gene gray powers sorry <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> i would like some like oh we lied about all that shit you suckers yeah that's what i would want yeah yeah, <laughs> like, the, yeah the that was my big takeaway from this like wait a minute i don't remember <laughs> this from the deep space nine that i remember yeah. what mm. they shoot Little blue balls, Dragon Ball Z balls <laughs> out from their chest. What is that? What is that called? What is that called? Uh, going full shit. Uh, <laughs> they went full Super Saiyan. Hadouken. Hadouken. Super Saiyan. Yeah. Hadouken. 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 Yeah. So uh, yes. So that's it. I don't know. What is? Uh, do you have a star rating for us in the oh, Amazon rating? Yes, 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 yes. You guys want to go ahead and guess? I know that they overdo these big pivotal episodes. Uh, eight, 8.5. 8.5. Point, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with him. 8.5. You guys must have looked. No. Nope. No, it's 8.5. You exactly, you guys know your audience. Oh, Whoa, we're getting good at this, bitches. Yeah, yeah it's uh, <laughs> We've been off our game in the last six, few episodes. Six hundred and fifty-two, which is about 120 more than votes they usually get. It gave it an 8.5. And I feel like that's probably where this one belongs. I think that's a pretty fair. Yeah, no. Yeah, this one works. Sure. This one, um, yeah, this one goes. And I and I don't know how much, like, it's because I'm excited. 
that this is where the story's going. Yeah. Even though we're <laughs> But most of the people rating on IMDb are probably like us and excited. So you guys, um, mm-hmm. next week, we are going to do our White Album. Is that correct? Cut. You can cut this out if I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That is true. Yeah. No, you're right. You're not wrong. No, yeah, we're going to do the White Album. And then we're, we're still thinking about doing yeah, it. Yeah, we've got something in the works. And I think that we could probably fill people yeah. in next week whenever we we introduce our White Album. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> Once we figure it out. <laughs> yeah, once we've uh, even thought about it more than just talking about it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've thought about it, but we haven't settled anything. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be. Or have we? No, we, I mean, we got shit locked down. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're good. We know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> so, and then we, so you got a couple weeks, maybe, maybe one week, and then we'll start uh, the search, which is uh, this, this every, welcome to the shit. Everybody's in the shit. The <laughs> yeah. big thing about the search is it's written by Ronald D. Moore. Ronald D. Moore is on the show. So we got, we have crawled through the river of shit to come out clean on the, I mean, you are now in good Deep Space Nine. If you haven't been liking what you've seen, this is the good shit. So if you don't like it after this, then fuck you. Like, (laughs) this show don't get any better. But yeah, then you're listening to the wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're wasting your fucking time. You're listening to the wrong podcast, motherfucker. Yes. So, all right. Sorry, I called you a motherfucker, but only if you listen, but unless they don't don't like like Deep Space Nine, then I agree. Otherwise, I'm sorry, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we, we good? All right, three to beam out. I'm good. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod. And on Tumblr at the rules of acquisition podcast.tumblr.com. So I wanted to write articles for Vice News. I thought fuck it I am a sentient robot I am a unique voice. I thought I could write articles like a sentient robot searches Aleppo for quality MDMA or a sentient robot teaches woman about what makes a good vibrator. They wrote back that they wanted me to comment on Westworld theories timelines who is Arnold what happened to the Hemsworth brother. I told them that I was already under a non-compete with sci-fi commentary. They said they already had the vibrator beat buttoned down but they would keep my CV on file. Fucking hipsters.